And I cannot say enough good about Brother and Sister Goff. And I'm telling you, the day that he asked to come talk to me and told me that he felt like God had spoken to him, that he needed to come back and help his pastor, there was such a witness of the Spirit. And, and I really, at that moment, felt a load lift off my shoulders. And Brother Goff has just been, has been such a phenomenal help. And I know that anything that I ever need done, all I got to do is shoot him a text. And you talk about faithful, loyal, having this church and the kingdom of God at the forefront of everything. Uh, they've postponed anniversary trips they've put off all kinds of things to rework for a church schedule and I, I just cannot say enough good about this man and his family and what a blessing they are to this church and um, and the fact that I'm watching the hand of God rest on him in greater and greater ways and I believe that this this um, last act of 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 stepping back here for the purpose of just holding my hands up and helping me during this time. I, I just believe God honored that in a very, very special way. God made note of it. And God placed on him a very special anointing. And, uh, and it's, it's obvious and it's evident. And I appreciate him so much. Brother Goff, we do love you. I want you to come. I want you to take your liberty. You do what you feel tonight. Just obey the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. Thank you for the kind words and the opportunity to be able to bring the word tonight. And I'm so appreciative to be able to grace this sacred desk and to feel the presence of God in this service like we have. I can feel Him even now. And I don't want to ever take it for granted. And I... I want to do something different. I've never done this, uh, but I feel like I want to sing a song before I get into, I've asked for the praise singers to help me. It's an old chorus. I'm sure many of you know it. Um, but I would like for us to sing it, one, because I felt it, and two, because God has confirmed it to me, and it's, I just feel his presence in this house tonight in a special way. And I believe God wants to do something more than just say we've been to church, but I believe God is wanting to touch someone's heart tonight. Amen, amen, amen. Let's sing this chorus tonight. Praise the Lord. Place. I can feel 
His mighty power and His grace. I can feel the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord Lift your hands and sing tonight. Oh, yes, he's here. Oh, yes, hallelujah. I can feel his mighty power and his grace. I can feel the brush of rain. Swings, I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Let's lift our hands and talk to Him. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I am so appreciative to be in the house of God. You don't know what it means to me to be able to come in and walk through those doors and feel his presence in such a special and real way. I am so appreciative. And I know you are as well. We respect the house of God. Amen. It's made a difference in so many of our lives. Only time will tell. God is so very special to his children. Amen, amen. I thank God for men of God and worship leaders, all those that God used tonight. I believe God has confirmed his word to me. Amen. And I want to follow the Holy Ghost. It's all that matters to me. I've got to, I've got to be able to deliver the burden from my heart, but I want to see somebody's soul. I want to see them changed. And if I could preach to one person, it'd be myself. And who's ever hungry, you can jump right in line. But I want to be changed by the Word of God. Amen. If we can, as the song says, take it all back, we're going to be reading from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Well, God's presence is in this house, and if you let it slip through your fingers, you're missing out on a great opportunity. Amen. Genesis chapter 1, we read in the very beginning. In verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, and saw that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Amen, amen. If you could lay your Bibles down, I feel God has laid a word on my heart. It's been brewing there for weeks, and God has given me something that I believe, and don't confuse yourself in this service, thinking that I'm only talking to those who may not be full of the Holy Ghost at this time. I'm preaching to everyone here tonight. No one's dodging the bullet. I believe God's got a word for this church tonight. I want to preach to us appealing to the highest power. Appealing to the highest power. Can we lift our hands and talk to Him tonight? Heavenly Father, God, I cannot do anything on my own. 
You may be seated. God speaking of him in Genesis chapter 1, when he spoke this world into existence, it did not make him any more God. He was God before time, and he'll be God after time. What it did for us is it gave us the opportunity to make him our God. That's what it did for you and I. We can think of creation, of giving us this opportunity to live here on this little marble floating in the vast space that we have been allotted. But I tell you today, the purpose of creation was not just to create the light and darkness and for everything to come together and for all the waters to flow every which direction, but it's for you to find salvation. This is your moment in time. God spoke your world and my world into existence, giving you and I access to Him through the plan of salvation. We do not need to be there because He existed before time, and we are placed as a part of this plan. From the very beginning, we were thought of, and God gave us this opportunity as we walk through life. The Word of God tells us that whosoever will Let them come. God gave us a choice. And he wanted us to be a part of the plan so bad that he went to Calvary and he sacrificed himself. That's how bad God wanted you to be a part of the church. And God goes to the fullest extent of his love to reach you and protect you and save you. He goes beyond our wildest imagination, our furthest comprehension. And no matter how far that you have taken your bad decisions, God still loves you. Regardless of how far you think you are from God, the limits of God far exceed the mistakes that you can make. Just as God cannot be confined to the limits of time, we are in our human thinking cannot fathom the love of God. We try to constrain Him to what we try of vessels of time, and we try to constrain Him of what we can feel and touch. But God far exceeds every aspect of the human capability. And when He says, I love you, it's hard for you to reconcile that with a dirty, dark past behind us. But God loves you today. And how is it that the Creator of the universe would sacrifice Himself? For me, it's because he loves us. Now, I have an interest in learning about space, and I enjoy visiting NASA museums and reading about space exploration. And while the world is spending countless fortunes trying to learn about space, it proves to me that the expanse of God is without end. They can send a space shuttle up, and it'll run for 10 and 20 years, and it just keeps going and going. And it's not doing 65 miles an hour. It's doing thousands of miles an hour. And I'm still sitting there saying, and God still is further out. He's bigger than anything we could ever create or desire or see the expense of. When we look at the earthly comparison to God's kingdom, the seal or the authority of the king reaches all the way to the boundaries of the kingdom. And someone who bears a letter of the king can walk with authority within that kingdom and can walk up to every household, every magistrate, every symbol of authority and begin to walk up and say, I am here on business of the king. And they can hold forth a letter and it gives them that ability to have the authority of the king. God's kingdom has all power and heaven and an earth. When the king, when the carrier of the letter goes beyond the constraints of the kingdom, they have exceeded the limits 
of the king's authority. But God has given us the power over death, hell, and the grave. We have exceeded every aspect of the kingdoms of this world. God has given us the ability to have something change inside of us that allows us to look at what the devil says, here's the line, do not cross it. We can step over and says, I'm a child of the king. God knows all things. His kingdom has no end. When we look at Psalms chapter, I'm sorry, yeah, chapter 139, there's a lengthy verse of Scripture I'll read through. In Psalms 139 in verse 1, it says to the chief musician, a psalm of David, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compasseth my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest. Sorry, I lost my spot. Thou knowest it all together. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and thine and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from the Spirit, from thy Spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, thou art there. God understands exactly when David was writing about the all-knowing, ever-present God that he knew. When he begins to speak of his mind, he says, thou art there. When he talks about the earthly, he says, above the earth into the highest heavens. When he talks about the hell, he's talking about the underworld, the abode of the dead. He's talking about there is nothing that removes me no matter how low I go or no matter how high I go. God is there. There is no escape from God. We see the story of people's lives as they go down the path towards salvation. I was just listening to an Adventures in Odyssey and began to talk about one of the main characters, how that they had begun to try to go out to California and leave Whitsamden. And then people's running into them on the train and begins to talk to them about God and then trying to run away from it. And next thing you know, Connie's talking to somebody else and they bring up God. And next thing you know, the person that witnessed to him on a train is, was, meets them again and she begins to say there's something different. And you begin to see the God moments that each and every one of us have our testimony about. And we have our God moments and it's so beautiful. But God does not stop touching us the moment we walk in and the first time we speak in tongues and we're baptized in Jesus' name and we sit on a pew. God does not stop moving in your life. You may be satisfied, but God wants to take you deeper. He wants to move you to places you never even thought about. He wants to fill you with the Spirit in the deepest, richest way that you can even begin to comprehend. Your God moments still continue to happen. And your testimony begins to grow. It is significant for us to allow God to, allow, to walk in Him deeper with Him. Those initial God moments represent a new beginning. And we as Christians lose track of His leading when we overlook the need for Him and focus on the fitting of our future as we see fit. We begin to say, well, I received the Holy Ghost back on June 5th in 1996. And we reflect back on those times. But we are remiss if we were to say that's all that God is to me. If that's all He is, you are losing track of something that's very powerful. That is to take you back to that moment in time and say, God, I know you're real because you did this. You saved this whole boy. It is our 
comparator. It is our baseline. It is if I drop below any point in my life before below having the joy of the Holy Ghost and feeling God's presence in my life and understanding that there's more to this. Sometimes we can get, as they say, uh, you can become an old head. You can become so used to it that you just reflect back, yeah, I was got the Holy Ghost back on this date, and it is just a date. But God has those defining moments for, for a greater reason in your life. It's just like someone going to the church website and listening to a message from the archive. And when you're listening, you say this message is for, and you fill in the blank, this person. And you can think, oh, three years ago, imagine the congregation. And, okay, this person was here, and this person was here, and they were sitting in this location. Yep, that family was there. And you begin to listen to this message. And you begin to say, man, if they'd have only listened, if they'd have only just paid attention to the preacher, and you begin to lose the value because that message kept you. It's easy for us to grab that shovel and begin to say, oh, oh, pastor's really in their corn crib now. But if you would be honest with yourself, the message was in your corn crib then as well. We lose the value of the word of God when we try to apply it to others and not to ourselves, And we just become an old head. And you can say, oh, I've heard countless messages. And I'm on a quest personally to go back and listen to every message that I've ever heard preached from this pulpit by you, Bishop. I want to say, God, put them deep within my heart. Even if I was traveling and away on work and I wasn't able to make it, I don't want to miss a time that God was reaching for my soul. God has his moments in our life. He's trying to lead us. And it's not these as we look with Abraham every 40 years. God has given us the opportunity every service for us to connect the dot and say, God's drawing me. God's pulling me. He's trying to get me to go somewhere deeper. He's trying to give me messages that will lead and guide me and for, so I won't be complacent. He's trying to get me to pull deeper and to him. Our testimony is not the only historical event that we can say, oh, so many years ago. God wants it to be fresh. God wants it to be alive within our lips when we lift our hands to worship him. It's not the act, but it's the love of God coming down and touching us. We can walk through life and talk to anyone having full authority of the king. We are the sons and the daughters of the great I am. We have full authority. This Bible, this word of God gives us the ability to go no matter where God calls us. It's by his authority. There's no one that can trump and say, well, that expired on this date. And now this law applies. I'm here to tell you this book is a letter that has no bounds. It can go to the depths of the earth when you're going through hell and high water. You can open it up and God speaks to you and gives you the authority to walk through that moment and say, listen, I have power over sin. The word of God is the authority through all the earth. And better yet, it is through all creation. There is no end to it. When we look in Psalms chapter 24, the writer gives credit to God, the creator of the universe. And theologians think that David was writing this psalm to be sung as the Ark of the Covenant was making its way back to the city to the place that was prepared for it. We see in verse 1, it says, a psalm of David. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. That's us. That's us. David wrote a psalm about us. A psalm that we can sing because we've experienced the power of Jesus Christ. Verse 2, for he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. 
David was recognizing the full power of creation. As we read it in our text, we find that David, as he's reckoning back in this song, he's beginning to reference back to the moment of time to the great creator. He's saying, if the God of all creation is on my side and I serve him, I'm going to give him a place that no other can take. I'm giving him the very, uh, the very reserved place in my life and in the city. None can take the place of the creator of the universe. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That means that there is no other room. There's not even a square inch reserved for the devil. There's, no, not, even, there's not even a sliver of a blade of grass that any other uh, God, so-called God, can reside and say, this is my kingdom. David says, no, God has it all. It's all in his hands. They begin to go through this song, and the priest begins to ask the question, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord's? Or who shall stand in this holy place? And you begin to find the response from the congregation. They talk about he that hath clean hands and an upright man not living in the practice of iniquity, but striving always to do that which is right. And the hands are the tool that we use to accomplish anything. So they must be clean. I, I want to stay positive, but if I could say this without being too negative or ruffling any feathers, shame on us if we care more about keeping these physical hands clean with sanitizer in this day and age, if we're willing to have the blood of our brother and our sister or your neighbor on our hands and we're okay with it. Shame on us. We're not following the example that God gave us to have a pure or a perfect heart. It should be our prayer that we have a perfect heart. That means we're not focusing on the outward conduct that people consume us as in religion, but it leaves the performance or the religion to others and is governed by the pure thoughts and motives that God has given us, each and every one, His children. Jesus Christ is the only one that is worthy to take the predominant place in our life. That is the only one who can ascend to that holy hill. It is the Lord. You find the response in verse 7. They said the gates are swung open and the grand procession and entry of the Ark of the Covenant begins to come in and they begin to assemble together. And you find the priest says, Who is this King of glory? And they respond, The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty and battle. They recognized at the dawn of creation there was a God that took care of them spoke this world into existence and they recognized the only reason we have safety today is because we have one that is strong and mighty in battle. In order for you to get authority you have to recognize the holder of authority. Let me say that again. You have no authority if you don't recognize the one who holds the authority. You are just flesh and blood. But God gives us the ability to talk to him. In Psalms chapter 146, we see the final five psalms. Conclude with songs of praise unto God. You don't find David's words of lament, petition for help. You don't find a desperate cry of needing rescue. They are a testimony, a praise of God's care for the defenseless and the helpless. You see, it starts out, and I don't want to go through it all or reference a few of these. It says, praise you, the Lord. Praise the Lord, on my soul. While I live, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Any. When we read the verse of Scripture that says, let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. 
That means any being that has breath, you have access to praise unto the God of creation. It goes on to say in verse 6, which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever. That's the God we serve. People can say, oh, well, I worship this God. And I have been in people's homes when I was doing electrical work and I walked in and I would have to step over their prayer ropes that they had around their houses as they were, um, I don't know the correct terminology, as they were praying to their gods and keeping spirits out. I would have to walk up and step over the boundaries that they had placed around their home and walk in and they had incense burning and I walked into a bedroom and it was dedicated to nothing but their gods. It was an altar unto their gods. Idol after idol after idol. And I've seen this in many homes. And I'd walk in, say, it ain't doing them a bit of good. Their God has no authority. They can put that string, I don't care how many times around their house. They can have it from floor to ceiling. I don't care. That string is not going to do anything to keep them out of the clutches of the devil that's here on earth. But God gives us something we can reference back to. We find the writer of Psalms 146 begins to lift up who God really is. But it doesn't take him long to get back to where he recognizes he is the creator. Who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that therein is. And he keeps truth forever. He preserves the fact that he is God and the only God who has dominion over death, hell, and the grave. God is the only true person, the only true thing that we can go to and say, help me, and he responds. The psalm highlights the fact that God knows how to handle his people. It talks about the strangers, the blind, them that are bowed down. He loves the righteous. He, he relieved the fatherless and the widow, and he turns the wicked upside down. We find that God has the best interest for everyone in this kingdom here called earth. God loves everybody. And it's so beautiful to know to recognize the fact that he's never lost a battle because they appealed to the highest power. Appealed to the highest power. Now, I've had the opportunity to work with different individuals in technology, and it's always a special moment, Pastor, whenever you get on the phone and you're trying to understand more about it, and they say, let me go grab this person. You got some questions that exceed my ability. I'm just a sales guy. I got, I'll go grab this person. And I remember the time where this guy got on the phone from New York and I was talking to him. And I said, this is what I'm looking for. I can't find anything that will provide this functionality. He says, well, I am the creator of the device you're asking about. I can make it do anything you want. And I began to lay out all the specifications. I said, all right, I want it to do this. I want it to do that. I want it to have this protocol. I want the key to be accessed this way. I want it to be tamper resistant. I want the code to be entered this way. I want redundancy. And he says, I'll send it to you in a couple weeks. There are benefits by speaking to the creator. There are benefits that some of us have become satisfied with just throwing a prayer out there carelessly and say, well, if he hears it, he hears it. You have the right to go get the attention of Almighty God. It is something he's begging you to do. It's not just at your conversion that you have his attention. Some of us act like that when we walk in and the, the pew becomes the only place we're willing to reside. It just seems like you can't even lob praise over the pew in front of you. And God's saying, come on now. Come on, there's something deeper. 
Lift your hands and begin to praise him. I've been there. I've done it. I've been the one who had to walk in and repent of my sins, the things I had done that day before I went and got on a drum stool or I got up and led songs. I've learned some things when I was younger. Douglas, you're not going to do that anymore because you're losing out on things that God is wanting out of your life. Don't be content. Don't let yourself get satisfied. And then we walk in and we have a prayer meeting like Friday morning. And God confirms himself. And he says, I'm not done. Let me blow your mind. Let me show you something. Let me show you something. And your mind begins to do this. And I told pastor this. I says, there was a point in that prayer meeting when I opened my eyes fully expecting to see God standing right there. It was so real and so rich. It was so fulfilling. It was him telling me, oh, Douglas, you don't need to listen to those words when the devil tells you, oh, when you speak in tongues, it's fake. You don't need to listen to those words when the devil tells you when you feel just a little bit, the bumps going up and down your spine, that's just your flesh. And I sit here and begin to feel the presence of God almighty sweep over me in a way I've never felt before in my life. And I stood there and looked and I said, God, I'm expecting to see you. And he says, it's real. And I can tell you, saints of God, he's real. He is so real. He is so very real. And if you're satisfied like I used to be satisfied, which is coming in and checking the box for church and not feeling the real almighty God, the creator of the universe, when he steps out of the heaven and he says, I'm here to touch you today, that's the God I want to serve. And not to lift me up. I'm ashamed it took me that long to find God in a special way. And I've been in countless prayer meetings, camp meetings, youth camps, conferences, special services, services that are just every week. And I can tell you I felt the presence of God. But when I felt him that way, it changed me. It changed me. I can't explain it. I tried to explain it to Sister Goff, and all I could do was just cry and tell her it's different. God done something different. I've never felt him this way, and I'm here to tell you tonight to whet your appetite. God has something for this church. God is wanting you to feel him so very different. That's what it's all about. That's why we're here gathered together. We're not here just to hear a a poetry message being taught to us to tickle our fancy. He's here to change our life. One more example in Acts chapter 4. There's a call to the Creator. The apostles, they gave and the church gave credit to the Creator in Acts chapter 4. We find Peter and John. They were arrested for preaching in the name of Jesus. They're defending their actions in the front of the council. And after they were released, they gathered with the people and began to pray. They had been accused and had all sorts of people come against them. It had their attention. It had their full, undivided attention. Because their response was, in verse 23... It says, and being let go, they went to their own company. Who was their company? It was the people of God. The people that they were ministering with and to. It was the church. And they reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said unto them. And when they had heard that, who was they? It was the people who they were making the report to. They lifted up their voice to God with one accord. And said, Lord, thou art God, which hath made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Does that sound familiar, saints of God? It wasn't just a reference saying, well, we might want to talk to God. No, they came together. And they hearkened back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. Because that is where their authority was lying. It was saying, and God created the heavens and the earth. 
They didn't say, and this priest, or this high official, or even this prophet. They went back to the original authority. And they said, Thou art God, which hath made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. But who by the mouth of thy servant David have said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain kings? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against the holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod, Herod and Pontius, Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thy hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And that was not the end of it because they made a request for boldness. And it says, and they spake the word of God with boldness. God answered their prayer. It started with them recognizing the authority of who God is and what He did at the very dawn of creation. The very first words ever uttered across the surface of what we call earth, our home. And it says, and He created the heavens and the earth. It was not because they prayed a simple prayer of faith. But they appealed to the highest authority. Now there's something that it's easy for us to overlook. And I'm only enrolled in the class that pastor is talking about. So I have not went through all the classes, but I will reference a Strong's Greek word today. But when we read verse 24, I want to focus in on in the last few moments of what I feel God has given me tonight. It says, Lord, Thou art God. Now, it says they lifted up their voice and said, Lord. The word Lord in this verse in the Greek is despotis. Not the common Greek word for Lord. That is, curios. When you begin to look out this Greek word, despotis, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, it means authority, power, absoluteness in ruling. Strong says an authority figure who exercises complete jurisdiction, wields unrestricted power. They appealed to the absolute highest power. They said, Lord, Thou art God. They put their need at the feet of the absolute highest resource they had. They called upon Lord, not just any Lord, but the one who had absolute authority in their situation. Before they enter into the request and start with some simple words, they directly cut to the chase and begins to address their Savior and say, God, we need your ultimate attention at this moment in time. We're being told we can't preach in your name. We're being told we can't even use your name in public. We're being told that we can't even raise awareness about your resurrection. Lord, thou art God. And we shouldn't be waiting when the devil comes, begins to fight us and be our adversary and begins to beat us down and throw everything he can at us. And you say, when I get to church, I'm going to have a good service. No, you have access right then, right there. You can call upon the name of the Lord. He gives us this opportunity to take us back to our origin, to where he can, we can say, God, you created everything. 
And they even said it, which hath made heaven and earth and the sea and all that them is. They wanted to make sure nobody was confused about who they were calling upon at that time. We need your help in recalling upon thou art God. We look at our situations reminded how life is interpreted through the lens of the viewer. We can look at our own life and expressions of words will be vastly different from how you explain it and how I explain it. And some will focus on the times of struggle and they'll express regret, shame, and things which they could forget. And some may only focus on the victories and express appreciation, encouragement, and look forward to making more of the same memories. We are all looking at the same, if I could use this example, the same ink blot. Whether you see a butterfly or a spider is solely based upon your experiences in life. People that we work with and rub shoulders with and shop with and know, and even some sitting here today have been at times where they've lost all hope and wondered what will ever come from my life. But God's saying, just appeal to the highest power. He's asking you today to not let it get so wrapped up in your mind and you think, oh, I have to handle this all on my own. Living for God continues to be a struggle as long as you are the focus instead of what God has already done for you and forgiven you. Now church, stay with me. You may think I'm only talking to a few, but I'm talking to all of us because it's these uh, conversations that we entertain within our heart and within our spirit that we think that keeps us from times of refreshing in the Holy Ghost. When we say, oh, I never deserve that time. I'll never be able to feel God like that person. God is telling us if you will just appeal to the higher power. In your mind, you will never meet the expectation of God. You will never amount to anything in your mind. The only way to get beyond the negative in your life is to go back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. And creation begins to explain the origin of your strength. It is because God is the creator of everything I can have hope. It is because I recognize who He is and know the power of His resurrection that I can live a life of fulfillment. I can sing the song, His eye is on the sparrow. And I don't have to feel discouraged when it says, why should shadows come? Why my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home when Jesus is my portion? My constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. That is what we have access to when we reach out for the highest power. The devil doesn't like it when we sing because we're happy. He doesn't like it when we sing because we're free. It goes on to say, and whenever I am tested, whenever clouds arise, when song gives way to sighing and hope within me dies, I just draw closer to him. From care he sets me free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. That song was spawned from two individuals. One, you can look it up for your own self, Mr. and Mrs. Doolittle. They didn't have the Holy Ghost, but they had an understanding of God. They began when they were questioned about how they can say so positive. One of them was confined to a wheelchair for the rest of his life with a crippling disease. The other, Mrs. Doolittle, was confined to a bed for almost 20 years. And when asked how you do it, they said, his eye is on the sparrow. 
and he watches after me. How much so we of truth, how much more is accessible to us by appealing to the highest power? How much more? You may think, I can't do this on my own, and you're absolutely right. Stop trying to do it on your own. You may think, I'm not special like this person. Your biggest mistake is comparing yourself to somebody else. We are all the same. You know what? We all have the same molecular makeup. We all have 99% of our body that is hydrogen, oxygen, carbon, and nitrogen. That all makes up each and every one of us. 99% of that is in each and every one of us. And we begin to think, I could never be anything in the kingdom of God. It's because you're stuck just looking at something that is so much lower. And we find that people love trees more than they love another human being. They will lay their life down for someone going out there with an axe. And they will wrap their arms around it. But you know what? It's just going to die. It's just going to fall in the forest. God has given each and every one of us the special ability to be able to call upon the name of the Lord and it make a difference. You can say, oh, well, I am not as beautiful as creation. I am full of flaws. I am full of issues. I battle in my mind, in my spirit. I'll never be perfect. Stop trying to do it on your own. And you look at science and creation, and we go back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, and guess what he created out of hydrogen, oxygen, carbon, and nitrogen before he breathed the breath of life into each and every one of us? It was the vastness of space. It was the universe. That is what makes up everything. So when we say, I can never be as beautiful as this, stop trying to compare yourself to what God doesn't want you to look at. Your sins and your flaws and the problems you have in your life, God's reaching to you and saying, I breathe the breath of life into you. I give you the gift of the Holy Ghost. The inkling or the thought that everything else is special except for me is a lie from the very pit of hell. When you stand and look at creation and think how beautiful it is and stand looking at the heavens and the planets and the stars and look at the Milky Way laying like a blanket and you say, if only I could be like that. God created you out of this very same four elements, but he made it you more beautiful because he gave you the Holy Ghost. In frustration, people look to heaven and scream in anger and frustration. And they say, God, where are you? They try to summon him from the vast depths of space. They scream in frustration when someone dies. They lose their job. They lose everything. And they think all hope is lost. And they step outside and they begin to question the very necessity, necessity of them even breathing air and the thoughts go through their head. Why am I even here? And all they have to do is say, God, I'm appealing to the highest power. They don't have to scream their head off. They don't have to cut themselves. They don't have to try to commit suicide to get his attention. They don't have to scream their head off. They don't have to be admitted to a mental hospital just so they can get somebody's attention. All they have to do is appeal to the highest power and say, God, I need you. Lord, thou art God. The musicians would come tonight. Thou art God. You sit here tonight struggling, wondering how in the world am I going to meet the expectations of the church and a pastor and every preacher that comes to this pulpit. You don't have to. You have to meet God's expectations. God's expectations. 
And He's the one that gives you strength. He's the one that lifts you up. Pastor, you alluded to it. A message you were preaching almost 10 years ago. I think it was the first message you preached about putting God first. Back in, I think it was 2011. You talked about Him wanting to take us to heavenly places. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, it talks about that. Spiritual blessings in heavenly places. God has a place for each and every one of us. The value of each and every one is not higher than the other. We don't have a ranking. We are all the same in God's eyes. He's just wanting you to love Him with all of your heart. We get so wrapped up in our struggle. And we say, I try so hard. But God, I never can seem to get the victory over this area of my life. Are you appealing to the highest power as we stand tonight? Are you trying to appeal within yourself? Are you appealing to the absolute highest power? Do you say, Lord, you are God. Everything that I see, you've made. Everything I have, you have given to me. And before you know it, he'll answer your prayers. He'll get boldness and strength. In closing, I find it amazing when people are in time of need, they reference creation. It used to be when I was a young person, I knew a few people just because I knew them that were influential, had access to seemingly endless funds. And people would talk about, as I was a young kid in elementary school or junior high, we'd talk about, oh, well, I know this famous person. My dad knows this famous person. You can say, well, I, I know a famous person too. This person... They own this business. Oh, okay, that's cool. It didn't get me anything. When I would go in to this business, I didn't get a discount. No one said, oh, it's on the house. I still had to pay, even though I knew who they were. But God says, because you know who I am, you have access to everything. It's all yours. The cattle on the thousand hills. It's all yours because you know who I am, because you know who Jesus is. You know who created in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. God created the heavens and the earth. God has everything. Last verse of Scripture, Psalms chapter 139 and verse 14. It says, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Earlier, he had talked about creation. Because he knew who the Creator was, he was able to say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. One theologian says, I am distinguished by fearful things in things that my creation which are used to inspire all I am distinguished among his works it's the works of God that exalt my ideas to him and my soul is reverent and devout because I know who is the highest power it's because I know who Jesus is. I can appeal to the highest power in every problem I have. Can we lift our hands and talk to Him tonight? Oh, Master, I love you, Jesus. God, you see the needs in this house tonight. We submit them to you, Master. It's beyond my comprehension of what you want to do tonight. But God, you know, and saints of God, I ask you to talk to him tonight and implore that God reach down and touch some situations. 
because everything's not all right. Not everything's peachy like people want to portray it. God needs to move in some lives tonight. And He's called us together to give somebody the opportunity to call upon that higher power. Let's talk to Him tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, talk to Him tonight, saints. Master, we love you, Jesus. God is not done with this service, nor is He done with those that are discouraged and don't know what they want to do with their life right now. God knows. He's reaching for them. Oh, Master, we love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Master, I love you, Jesus. Come on, saints, let's talk to him. Someone's here tonight that said they'll just give it one more shot. I'll do it one more time. I think they deserve our prayers. Let's create the atmosphere for someone who said just one more time. Oh.